Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. So we're going to talk about uh, doing things that are hard to do. Things that are hard to do. All right? So just by a show of hands, who's ever been skydiving? Okay, a few people. A few crazy people. Was there something wrong with the plane? No? Okay. In order to skydive, you need the right equipment, and you need to have some nerve, right? You want to make sure you've got a parachute, and you need to have some nerve. Are anybody ever been uh, mountain climb, rocky mountain climbing? Scott, no rocky mountain climbing? Is anybody? Oh, okay. All right. Cool. You got to have the right equipment. You got to have some nerve. So we got skydiving, rocky mountain climbing. Anybody uh, been 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu? No? Dad jokes. I told you, I'm, I'm here all day. We'll be here all week. Um, and so if you ever tried to do something difficult, you got to have the right equipment. you got to have nerve, right? And so uh, I am not an electrician. Matter of fact, I'm a nerd by trade. And, uh, and so I had to change out a, an outlet at my house, right? A GFCI outlet for anybody who is following along, the ones with the buttons on them. Um, and so I, I, I don't know how to do that, but I, because of YouTube, I'm Tim the Tool Man, right? I can do anything now because of YouTube. And so I got this little uh, sorcery wand uh, deal, and I don't know what they're called, but it looks like a pin, but it lights up if you, get, if you touch electricity or, or something with electricity in it. All right, Father's Day. Some of you guys are going, yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. What's the name of that? Okay, circuit tester, a voltage dealy, a light-up thing, and it's all magic. I'm telling you, it's like completely magic. It's probably of the devil, but you, you take this pin... And you get it next to an outlet or a wire, and if that thing's live or hot or got electricity in it, it glows. So you don't touch it so that you don't glow, right? It's perfect. It's brilliant for people like me who have no idea what I'm doing. So I had to go figure out how to cut the power off, right, and then do the deal, which turned out fine. My house still hasn't burned down, so all is well, right? But I needed the right equipment, and I needed the nerve. And the only way I, needed, only way I got the nerve was by having the right equipment, Right? Because if I had cut the power off and put the little magical sorcery wand to it and it lit up, I didn't really turn the power off, did I? And that would have been damaging to my nerve and my nerves, probably. And so now the other day, this is more recent, uh, and I I made this post on Facebook for for those of you who still do that. Um, There's what I call gutter trees. You ever seen gutter trees? The little trees that grow out of your gutter? It's self-explanatory. All right. So the church had a couple out here on the back side of the building, you know, the very visible, and they had gotten a couple feet tall. So these were like, you know, weeping willow gutter trees. They're, they're, they needed to go. And the, the largest ladder we had here, at least what I thought, was an old rickety, like, A-frame ladder that maybe went 12 feet high, something like that. I'm guessing at it. I don't know. Two of me. It was like two of me tall. And so I thought, yeah, man, I can do that. I'll get those things. And I went and I set the ladder up. 
And like I have this uh, condition uh, that makes me shake all the time. Like I'm a shaker, a Quaker shaker. And on this ladder, once I got about you know halfway up, it sounded like a rattlesnake. Right? It's just like and so I get a little further up, and then you get to that step that's not a step. You know the one that says not a step. And I was like, well, I'm gonna have to step on that step to get where I need to go, and maybe even stand on the top one, which. Don't, if you go past the not a step, you definitely don't want to go to the absolutely not a step, you know. So I was getting up there, and I thought, once I get up here, I'm still not going to be able to reach it. I still can't reach and do what I need to do. And so I quickly climbed down, put the ladder up. I realized I didn't have the right equipment, and I certainly didn't have the nerve to do what needed to be done. I was not going to accomplish the task, right? Now you're going, great story. What's next? A guy came over here, a friend of mine, Dustin Thompson, and he had the right equipment. He had the ladder, the right one that leans against the thing and does the right thing and had it in the right place. He had the nerve, popped up there, and in just a few minutes, had the gutter trees gone, right? He did that because he had the right equipment. He had the right nerve. Now, sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus, is difficult to do. Can I just get an amen? It's, it's hard to do, but not because it's hard to do. It's hard to do if we don't have the right equipment and if we don't have the right nerve. And so what I hope to do this morning is to tell you that you actually do have both. God has given you the equipment that you need, and God has given you the nerve that you need in order to do this. And so just two quick things. The equipment that we actually have are two things. It's our story and his story. Our story and his story. We've got what has happened to us, who we are in Christ, what he has done in our lives. That's our story. No one can take that away from you. You can't tell your story and somebody go, "Mm -mm, mm mm-mm, you're wrong. It's your story. And then we have his story. We have scripture. We have the word of God, which is the truth. So even if our story isn't effective, we have his story, which is truth, which is sharper than any two-edged sword and pierces the heart and bone and marrow like this. We have that. So we're equipped. We have the right equipment. And if you remember at the beginning of our series on Acts about how to be a witness, how to have strength to tell, the, you know, to tell people the power to tell people every one person who's your one. Like in Acts 1.8, it tells us that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere to everyone. So I believe that we have both the equipment and the nerve we need to share the gospel. Now, as, uh, as Timothy Keller, I love the way he puts it, he says, if the resurrection of Jesus is true, all right, so if the resurrection of Jesus is true, if a dead man can come back to life, we have nothing to fear. I mean, Christian, we have nothing to fear. If our God can raise a man from death to life, then what do we have to fear? Nothing, nothing. So uh, quickly, just kind of recap, We've, we're in Acts, and uh, last week, uh, Scott was, was teaching us out of Acts 7, uh, 16 and 17. We saw uh, the Apostle Paul was in Athens at the uh, Areopagus, and this is where really smart people went to talk about new ideas, and so Paul went there to, to meet them where they were, to speak their language, some of this kind of coming back to you. And so he went to tell one person about Jesus that, that turned into many people. 
And so then Paul, after a little bit of time in, in Athens, Greece, he goes now to Corinth, and that's where we're going to pick up today in chapter 18. He goes to Corinth, he meets some of his friends there, he meets some new friends there who are tent makers, uh, leather workers. This is kind of where we get that information about Paul, that he had a, uh, two different jobs. He would share the gospel and he would work. And every Sabbath day, so on Saturday, uh, Paul would, would go into the uh, synagogue and, and try to convince people and teach people about Jesus. Now, the synagogue's just a, a fancy word for like a cultural center. Now, sometimes we think synagogue means a church building, but it wasn't a church building. Uh, the temple is where the Jews would worship, and there was no temple in Corinth, not for Jews. And so they had gone to the synagogue. These synagogues were like places where you could have school during the week. You might have a PTA pro, PTO program for the kids. But then on Saturdays, you'd be taught from the Jewish scriptures, okay, the Old Testament. And so Paul would go to these places to try to convince Jews first of Jesus because they had some background, and then later we're going to find out he goes to Gentiles. So I'm just going to give you verse 5, which is not going to be on the screen, but I want you to hear this. It says that after Silas and Timothy came down from Macedonia, there are some of his friends, Paul spent his time preaching the word, and he testified to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. So he preached the word, that's one of our pieces of equipment. And he testified. He told his story. So right there in just chapter 18, verse 5, it's going to make the point of the sermon today. Paul had everything he needed. He had the equipment and he had the nerve. The two pieces of the equipment that he had were the word and his testimony or his story. Now, not everybody in the synagogue and the Jewish people there, did, they didn't like Paul. They're like, this doesn't sound good. We don't like you. We want you to go away. This is the synagogue place. Paul leaves, and that picks up where we are today. So he leaves the synagogue, and in verse 7 he says, Then he left, and he went to the home of, let's just call this guy TJ, T. Justice, because I don't want to say that name. T. Justice and this guy <laughs> live right next door to the synagogue. How convenient, right? Paul says, okay, you don't want me here. I'll go next door. And this guy's a Gentile. He's like me and you. He's not Jewish. And so he goes to T. Justice's house, a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door. And then listen to this, verse 8, Crispus, that's the guy's name, and in Greek that means crispy times two, hashtag dad joke. So Crispus, he's the leader of the synagogue, which is right next door. So Crispus is a Jew. And Paul just said, I'm, I'm done with the Jews, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. He goes next door to T. Justice's house, and who does he find? Crispus, the leader of the synagogue. Paul shares from the Word. Paul shares his story, his testimony. And guess what happens to Crispus? Crispus gets saved. He's like, man, that's convincing. All this time you've been in the synagogue, my synagogue, by the way, and now I believe you at my friend's house next door. It's beautiful. But if you also remember back in Acts, we said when the gospel went forward and it got reached just one, this is our whole who's your one theory, right? When it reaches one, where does it go from there? It reaches many. So when it reached Crispus, and he believed, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his household believed. That's fantastic, dads. Think about it. When, when you put your faith in Christ, and then you have the opportunity to give that to your children. It's like a dad's dream, at least my, this is me, that all of my children will believe. And I know that's a far-fetched dream, and I know a lot of you are not living that dream right now. I understand that. But isn't that the dream? That if you teach a way, teach a kid the way that he should go, that he would not depart from it? 
So I'm, I'm banking on that promise that I'm putting in investments into the kingdom where my children one day will be fully devoted followers of Jesus. So Crispus gets saved. His whole house gets saved. Uh, many others in Corinth also heard Paul, and they became believers, and they were baptized. <laughs> this, is, this is great news. Verse 9, one night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, and he told him, now right now, you are all Paul, okay? You're Paul, and I want you to hear this from the Lord. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. No one's going to attack you. No one's going to harm you. For many people in this city belong to me. Don't be afraid. Speak out. And don't be silent. That's what Jesus encouraged Paul, who's already doing those things, and he still encourages him. And so it says Paul stayed there another year and a half teaching and telling his story, and many other people believed. And so we talk about Newton County and our surrounding community, and we say, if just one, if we could just reach one, we'll reach 90,000 people. 90,000 people can and will be saved because I believe the Lord. As many people in this city belong to me. Just like in Corinth, I believe there's many people in Newton County who still belong to him, and they are waiting on us to deliver that good news. But that sounds difficult, right? Paul told his story. Paul used Scripture. Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. He had the right equipment. Paul also had the nerve, just like you and I have the nerve, because Paul had the same Holy Spirit living in him that you have living in you, and that's who gives us the power. And Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm with you. So don't be afraid to share your story, and don't be afraid to use Scripture. We're going to dig into those in just a minute. So you might be saying, all right, that's easy for you to stand up there and say those things. Fine, you don't know where I go. You don't know where I work. You don't know my people. And I would say you're right. But we're going to have some help this morning from Cameron Moore, and he's going to share with us uh, kind of how to do this in real life and in real time. So you guys watch the screens. One of my favorite ways to share the gospel is sharing my story, sharing my God story, my testimony, what the Lord has done in my life, how He saved me, and what He saved me from. And it's a story that has been able to come up uh, naturally here recently because I've been encouraged to ask other people, whether they're believers or unbelievers, hey, what's your story? Um, I ask them, you know, where are you from and how did you get here in Covington, Georgia, or wherever you are, where are you from? And how did you get here to this point today? What's your story? And over the time that I've been asking that question to others, I hear many interesting life stories. But one of the questions that comes back most often to me, they always come back and they say, what about you? What's your story? If you're a believer, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, then we should not be able to share any part of our story and not talk about Jesus. I can't talk about my life without talking about the Lord. And depending on who I'm with or what type of person I'm with, what we've been talking about, I might share uh, a different snippet of my story. I might focus more on this part or if I'm sharing it with that person, depending on what we're talking about, I might focus more on that part. Um, but a great place to get started when you're sharing your story is just to start with these three things. Three things that you might want to include every time you share your story, but just start here. One, you want to talk about 
who you were, what your life was like before you met Jesus. And you want to mention when you met him, when you surrendered your life to him. And you want to talk about what your life has been like since you met Jesus and since you've been following him as Savior and as Lord. So what I want to do right now is just share almost an abbreviated version of my story with you to give you an example of just keeping those three things in focus when you go to share your story with others. So here it is. I was born and raised here in Covington, Georgia and really have been in Georgia most of my life. I was born into a Christian family, and actually, as most of you know, I was born into a pastor's family. And so Christian values the truth of God's word, the truth of Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us, who he is to us. They've kind of been impressed, uh, impressed upon me since I was, uh, really since I was a baby, since as long as I can remember. And really, I don't remember a time where I didn't believe or I didn't acknowledge the Lord. He's always been part of my life. But when I was seven years old, I learned what what baptism was and that baptism is a next step. It's after you believe in Jesus Christ and know that he's your savior, you confess him as Lord, then you're baptized, baptized into Jesus and baptized into the church. It's It's this public profession of faith. So at seven years old, I was like, well, that's what I need to do. And and so my dad, he, he baptized me at a church picnic. And that's when everybody knew I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm surrendering my life to him as a seven-year-old. Well, the funny thing about surrendering your life as a seven-year-old is there's not really a whole lot uh, to surrender, uh, not really a whole lot of sins that you've experienced since then. Uh, but uh, maybe I tried obeying my parents a little bit more. But as I grew older, I realized it's not just a, a one-and-done surrender. It's living a life of surrendering constantly to Jesus as Lord. And so as I got older, uh, sin and temptation came into my life, sin that God had to deal with. And there were several times where even though I knew Jesus was Savior, I didn't really want him to be Lord. I didn't want Jesus to be Lord over and above my pride. I wanted my pride to be Lord or, or lust. I didn't want Jesus to be Lord over and above my lust. I wanted lust to be Lord. Or recently, one thing I feel like I've been surrendering to the Lord is laziness. I want laziness to be Lord in my life. Maybe it's because I have two kids now. I'm one fresh out of the oven, but uh, and I know some of you have way more than two, but uh, y'all are crazy. But <laughs> I just wanted laziness to be Lord of my life. And Jesus is saying no to all those things and countless others. No, live a life of surrender. It's constant surrender. And I hope the people I work with, the people I'm around, my family, my kids, would be able to look at me today and say, I'm not the same person I am today as I was yesterday. And I know I'm not the same person I am today as I was last year or five years ago. And that's the thing with Jesus, you're committed to living a life of surrender, a life marked by surrender. He has changed me and he is changing me and he saved me. Guys, it's that simple. And it's telling your story to share the gospel. And just telling that story, however God has saved you, whatever he has done in your life, it's a powerful way to show the gospel to others. In the next video, I want to share with you just how to follow up that conversation, sharing your story with others, or how to follow it up with scripture and using those scriptures to clearly present the gospel. So Cameron makes it look really easy.
right? He just, that cool voice of his, and he just kind of laid back, and here's my story, y'all, it's just like that. And it's fantastic. And then we try to do it, and we're like, I sound like a bumbling idiot, right? Like, what is my story? And so I've tried to do the same thing. And this is something that um, Chad Hambrick, uh, he's our discipleship director at Eastridge, and he has been teaching our staff how to do this. So if you think, oh, y'all are the experts, no, 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 we're getting training on the, on the job training, like right now, on how to share our story. And so just if we'll put three points on the, on the screen, it was life before Jesus, when you met Jesus, and life with Jesus. And if you want to take a screenshot of that or whatever, uh, these videos will be available online too. But when you're telling your story, that's kind of how you want to keep it just as simple as possible. You just want to go, hey, here's what my life was like before Jesus. Here's how I met Jesus. And then here's what it's like now. And I promise you, you all can do it. You can all do that. God's equipped you that way. He's given you that tool in your tool belt to tell your story. And so for me, I grew up, and I say the word around church. Some people say I grew up in church. I grew up around it uh, where we went sometimes, and I was at VBS. Uh, so this is my before. My before Jesus was I just went to church. I didn't really understand it, didn't know a lot about it. Might have got a few things, you know, that were foundational that I, I find out later, but I didn't know at the time. And so I, I came to a VBS. Hey, dude. Yeah. I came to a VBS uh, at Oxford Baptist Church uh, my fifth grade year. I was going into sixth grade, so I was a big dog, you know, at VBS. And I went to Vacation Bible School, and after like the last day, you know, they give the, the, the gospel presentation, and I was like, man, I, I want that. Like, I, I want a, a Jesus. I want someone who's going to forgive me of my sin because, you know, I've done some things wrong, and like Cameron said, they weren't huge things, but it was enough to know that my heart was not clean. And so I wanted Jesus. And so I, at that time, I confessed and I believed, but I didn't do a lot of surrendering either. And you don't really know about surrendering until you get into high school, college, marriage. And you've got to figure out, who's in charge here? I mean, am I willing to give up, surrender to a higher power, to someone who's greater, or do I want to be the boss? because I wanted to be the boss. And it was really only until, that's kind of when I met Jesus, and then my after finding Jesus really is going to be as an adult and getting into the Scriptures with some friends. And that's the truth of it for me. All right, everyone's got a different story. You can't tell me mine's wrong. <laughs> so here's my story. I got into a Bible study and started nerding out and geeking out on stuff, and I was like, oh, this is, I can't believe that matches that in the Old Testament. And Jesus did what? He fulfilled these promises. That's crazy. And this guy came back to life. Are you kidding me? Did I know those things as a kid? Maybe. But man, when, when I was with some brothers who were going, how are you going to live that out now? Right? Like, how are you going to do that at your work? How are you going to do that in your family? And I realized I needed to surrender to Jesus. And now after I have done that work with my friends and found out who Jesus really was. Because the Jesus of the Bible was a lot cooler than the Jesus at my church, and no offense to my church. But the, the way that Jesus lives out in the gospel and the way it's recorded is, man, he went to the least of these? I, don't want, I didn't want to do that. He, he, he would like sit with sinners? That doesn't sound right. I don't remember my church really talking a lot about that because we wanted to stay away from the sinners, right? Oh, don't be a sinner. I wanted to be good, but I needed 
to be born again. I needed to surrender. And so that Jesus was beautiful to me. And now, after surrendering to him, I can tell you my life is completely different. I might have thought I was a Christian growing up, but I'm telling you, my life's different now. There is love that I shouldn't have for people. I don't deserve the love I've been given, but I'm okay giving that to other people now. I'm okay sacrificing some things that I didn't want to sacrifice before. I'm okay with Jesus being my boss because he's the best boss you could ever have because he's the perfect father. And here's the thing about your story. A changed life, when someone's telling their story and you're like, man, they're, that's, they're changed. A changed life is one of the most effective tools at softening the heart of the unbeliever. We love a good story. As humans, we love a good story. And it's not your story that saves anybody. It's Jesus' story that saves people. It's his redemptive work on the cross, his resurrection and ascension. That's what saves people, the, the belief and faith in that. That saves people. But telling your story softens the heart, and everyone can relate. So, that's the first tool, your story. The second one is his word. And I'll be honest with you, telling, using Scripture to share the gospel sounds very difficult and intimidating, right? Look at all them words, right? And you might be thinking, uh, I, don't, I, I can't even remember where I put my keys, much less memorize any Scripture. You're like, I know, I know, I get it, I get it. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to use Scripture to share the gospel. And so Cameron's going to kind of walk us through that now. Using scripture to share the gospel is one of the most effective, one of the most clear ways that you can articulate what God has done and how we should then respond to him, uh, how we should live in relationship with him, with him being the Lord of our life. And the way you can do this is by simply reading these verses, the following verses I'm going to share with you. Just read them with whoever it is that you're sharing the gospel with. And maybe after each one, just briefly pause and in your own words, explain what that verse means. Or you could even hand your Bible uh, over to the person you're sharing with and have them read the verses with you. They'll read each verse, and after each one, again, just briefly pause and explain what that verse means. But I want to do this with you right now. I just want to read through these verses, and they're all found in the book of Romans all throughout, and we call it uh, the Romans Road. And it's just four different verses, and each one clearly describes uh, just one element of the gospel and how we should then respond to the Lord and what he has done on behalf of the world. So we start right here in Romans 3. And even though this is good news, even though this is the gospel of Jesus, it starts sounding like not so good news. But Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all of us. I've sinned. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done or not done. It doesn't matter if you think some sins are worse than others or if you think some people are way better or way worse than others. Every single one of us has sinned and we therefore fall short of the glory of God. Then we flip to Romans 6.23 and it tells us what the wages of that sin, the payment for that sin is. 623 says, for the wages of sin is death. To turn away from the Lord, which is what sin does to us, it turns us away. To turn away from the Lord is to turn toward death. If he is the giver of life, if God is life, if he is the creator of all life, to turn away from that life is to turn toward death. The wages of sin 
the payment for sin. The wages of turning away from the Lord is death. But that's only the first half of that verse, Romans 6, 23. The second half says this. This is the good news. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God. It's a free gift. If it's not free, then it's not a gift. It is a free gift of God to us. That's eternal life in Christ Jesus. It's free for us, but it wasn't free for him. Listen to the cost of that gift, what it cost the Lord, what he did for us. We flip to Romans 5, 8, which is the third verse we're looking at. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If the wages for that sin is death, Christ is the one that took that death upon himself. We didn't die. Christ died for us. He died for us while we were sinners, not while we were good people, not while we were trying to love God, while we were sinners. He went to the cross for the Pharisees when they were saying, crucify him, crucify him. He went to the cross for the Roman soldiers when they were putting nails in his hands and feet. He went to the cross for his disciples after they left him, deserted him, denied him. He went to the cross for a world that didn't know him or love him while we were sinners. God demonstrates this great love for us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. How do we respond to such great love? Romans 10.9. Look at Romans 10.9, which is the last verse, the fourth verse. And it says this, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you believe in this testimony of scripture that Jesus died and was raised to life on the third day, and you confess openly out loud with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And after sharing these verses with whoever it is that you're sharing them with, ask them this question. What do you think about that? And listen to them. But don't leave that conversation without then saying, God is calling every one of us to respond. So how are you going to respond? And maybe they don't respond right then. Or maybe they do respond and they say, I don't believe. Um, I don't believe in what you shared. And uh, I don't believe in Jesus. And you know what? Many people have responded like that. But maybe they respond, I do believe. I know that I need those verses. I know that I need Jesus as Savior and Lord of my life. And I confess him as Lord. And if they do, man, pray right then and there. Man, pray to the Lord. And maybe you'll use this card, which is going to be a tool that we're giving you guys very soon. But it's a prayer uh, on this card. And it might be the first prayer that they ever get to pray as a believer, as someone who has confessed Jesus as Lord. And, and know that this prayer doesn't save anyone. Handing them this card and them praying this prayer, it doesn't save them. Jesus is still the one that saves. Man, but this is a great tool and a great prayer that they could pray as a first response to the Lord, their Savior. I want to read it to you today. God, I know that I'm a sinner in need of your grace. I've messed up and I want you to forgive me. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to live a perfect life that I couldn't live. I believe he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again so that I can be forgiven. God, forgive me 
save me, come live in me, and be the king of my life. Amen. So Cameron shared just four verses with us, and if you've been around church in your life, you would know him as the Roman road. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dumb guy. I can't remember stuff. Nerdy, but I can't remember it all. And so I just wrote it in my Bible. I mean, maybe you're one of those that don't want to write your Bible, but it, look, I just I know where to start. Romans 3.23. And I'll always remember it because it's right there. And if I go to Romans 3.23, and as soon as I read that verse or have them read it for everyone's sin and fall short of the glory of God, it tells me where to go next, right? Now go to Romans 6.23, and I can flip there. And so that's, that's a useful way to remember it. Uh, I try to encapsulate it even on the screen with even smaller. So if you want to take a picture of this, save it in your phone. Like, always have this at the ready. So in case you meet someone who is spiritually curious, they're interested in Jesus, you can walk them through this. Romans 3.23, all have sinned. 6.23, the wages of that sin is death, the gift of God, eternal life. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's good news. And then Romans 10.9, if you confess and if you believe, then you'll be saved. So just, we know that works. It's a proven formula if there is such a thing. And just this week, uh, Chris Queen, he, he directs our services, and he was uh, engaged in a conversation with a gentleman just this week who was spiritually curious, and, and Chris knew it. They had enough conversation, enough relationship built where he knew this guy, he needed Jesus. And so they walked through the Romans road. They walked through these verses together. And Chris asked, How, what, do you, what do you think? He's like, I want Jesus. I want to surrender to Jesus. And so Chris was able to lead him through a prayer, much like the one we just heard. And that guy is now in the kingdom of God. He is one of the believers. Because we're equipped. We have the right equipment. And we have the nerve through the Holy Spirit. We have the nerve. And now it's time for us just to do it. We, we all have these tools. You have your story and you have Scripture, His story. You have the nerve you need. The Holy Spirit's going to give you power. And then don't forget the words of Jesus. Lean into these here and hear them this morning. Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent. There are 90,000 people in Newton County who need to hear the good news of Jesus. And it's our job to take it to them. So this morning, I think it would be, um, if we ended the service right now, which it's time to end, and we will, but if we ended it maybe without an opportunity for you today to pray that prayer, we might have missed an opportunity. So I just want to encourage everyone in the room now, if you would, just bow your head. And I'm going to lead us through that prayer. Because for some of you, you might have heard some good news today. And so I'm going to say one word, you repeat it back. Well, let's pray to the Lord. We all can do this. If you're a seasoned believer, you can still make this prayer. So let's do this together. God, and you repeat, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I've messed up. I want you to forgive me. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to live a perfect life 
that I couldn't live. I believe he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again so that I could be forgiven. God, forgive me. Save me. Come live in me and be the king of my life. Amen. Guys, if this was your first time saying that prayer, I encourage you to come talk to one of us today. Let us know a decision that you've made. If you want help in a recommitment of your life and someone to walk alongside you in discipleship, come talk to me. Let's talk about what those next steps could look like. So I just want to encourage you this morning. You all have the right equipment. You all have the nerve. So let's go make disciples who love Jesus, love people, and reach the world. God, we are grateful again for your presence today. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for convicting us. Thank you for encouraging us, doing all the work that the Holy Spirit does. And Lord, I pray today, someone is meeting you for the first time and surrendering their life to you. And Lord, if not today, tomorrow or the next day, we will continue to sow the seeds and we, Lord, we pray that you will provide the harvest. We make this prayer in the powerful, in the holy, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. I hope you guys have a great week. These resources are available online. Those videos are available online. Uh, it's eastridge.church slash one. Uh, and I'm just going to, at the end of the service here, as you're dismissed, the, the sinner's prayer is listed up here. You can come take a picture of it if you want. There's cards in your seat that also have that on there. Use that as an evangelism tool. All right, y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at Eastridge Church.